Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The quickest way to an improved life is to not complain. So I'm not here to complain. It was amazing to have a full weekend of football and a full Sunday of the Shield. Like I'm still swimming in dopamine. I am still fired the hell up. I'm all those things, despite having to sit through what I sat through last night, Giants v. Cowboys. Man, that game was as horrendous as the rest of the weekend was amazing. Well, maybe not for a Cowboy fan. Cowboy fan had one of the best nights they've had in quite some time. Cowboy fan had one of the best nights ever. Giant fan, on the other hand, had one of the worst nights ever. And the rest of us were just bored to tears. I mean, seriously, G-Men, G-Men, the hell was that? Does somebody want to go tell the football giants that the regular season has actually started? Because I'm still not sure they realize it, even after getting their asses absolutely handed to them in their own house by their arch rivals last night. That had to have been one of the most hideous and least competitive primetime games I have ever seen. Maybe the worst ever Sunday night opening week game ever. Frankly, the whole thing made me want to pull a Saquon and say, F you to the Giants. F you to the Giants. I've never really felt like that. In fact, if I'm being honest, I still feel like that. F you to the Giants. Bleep you to the Giants. F you to the Giants. Way to keep it within 40, G-Men. 40! Thanks, Alvy. But hey, at least it was good to see Danny Turnovers doing a classic Danny Turnovers in prime time. Said nobody ever. Please stop making us, or please stop doing this to us, NFL. Please stop making us watch Daniel Jones in prime time. Nobody is asking for this. Nobody wants this. Not even Giants fan wants this. Because Giants fan knows exactly how it's going to go. Badly. Really badly. Giants fan, hell, anybody with a working memory knows it never goes well. Because Daniel Jones is 1-10 now in primetime games. And I feel like his play is more painful than the record itself. And the record is 1-10. It is a brutal watch. And if you're looking for the dime and the Giants to take the next step this season, I've already seen enough to know after one game, that's not going to happen. They're not taking the next step this season. I'm sure Giants fan is thrilled that they locked this dude down, however. I'm sure Giants fan is thrilled about that four-year, $160 million contract right about now. Nothing like rewarding your franchise, your franchise player, by the way, for throwing you a gigantic pile of money and then showing up and taking a gigantic dump in your pants in week one. You have a big dump in your pants. Co-signed by Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Seriously, it was almost like the worst thing that could have happened was these NFL quarterbacks, the face of the franchise types, getting taken care of. I mean, I know you had to, right? You have to. But look what happened as soon as they got their, ba- their bag. Nothing good. But I do have to throw some credit to the Cowboys for actually showing up for a football game last night and then beating their rivals' ass in their own house so badly that we were all thinking the same exact thing halfway through the third quarter. Somebody throw the damn towel. Where is the ref to stop this fight? The Cowboys were on top of the unconscious Giants raining hammer fists on them. They were already out cold. I damn well thought somebody might die in the cage last night. There was almost an entire half of garbage time in this game. Garbage. Although I could also argue that the entire game was garbage. Because the Giants never showed up, which is why I was so surprised to hear Brian Dable, who I like. But I was awfully surprised to hear Brian Dable get so colorful after the game, describing his team's great effort. Do you have any issues with the effort in the in the second half? You seem like they came out kind of flat. No, I mean they had a they, they went down and drove you know drove right down the the field. Um, but those guys look, those guys are, are competitors. Um, obviously, the result didn't show tonight, but uh, no, 
like that's not us. Um, that's not us just to, you know, insinuate that, that, you know, someone's not giving effort. Everybody gives balls out effort. Uh, we just didn't do a good enough job uh, executing. Um, but I don't question that. Not ever. Uh, maybe you should, Dave's. Maybe you should question that. Because if that is what, quote, balls out effort balls looks out like from effort. your team, then your team is going to have a miserable time this season. If balls out effort, balls out effort. got you beaten 40 nothing, the hell kind of year are you going to have? You know what I think? You know what I think when I think balls out effort? Balls out effort. Well, first things first, I want you to call it anything other than balls out effort. Balls out effort. But if I have to think about balls out effort, balls out then effort. the last thing in the world I'm thinking about is the New York Giants last night. You lost 40 nothing, And that was balls out effort? Balls out effort. Damn. What happens if they ever come out flat? And that was more than just a straight ass whooping. That was a straight historical ass whooping. Check this dad out. That was the largest shutout win in the history of the Cowboys. It was the second largest margin of victory ever in 122 games against the Giants. There has not been an ass-kicking this enormous in this rivalry since 1966. All of that data with your so-called balls-out effort. Balls-out effort. But if you ask Micah Parsons, he knew it was coming. You could say he put the Giants through the sissy challenge last night, and they failed. They got an F minus. And then after the game, it was almost like my guy Micah was channeling a reinvention project app. No doubt in my mind. I, I mean, I saw it before anybody. I said, I can't wait to get to New York. I already knew it was coming. Just because when you, when preparation meets execution, I don't think there's no one that can beat it. When you're prepared, like, like we've already felt this. We've already been to war before. We already knew the standard. We already knew what happened last year. What we're capable of is just about being capable of and doing every week. This dude, man. How do you not love this dude? I love this dude, and he called me a sissy. This dude is freaking legit. Legit. In every which way. He only had one sack, but it still felt like he was ruining and blowing up every single play. Even though it felt like he was double teamed on every single play. And he wasn't the only one flying around on that defense. That whole defense was flying around on defense. They were trying to make a statement, and they succeeded in making that statement on the field, and then Michael laid it out after the game just in case anybody somehow missed it and needed to hear it. I think we're making a statement, which I've been trying to make. We're the best defense in the National Football League. They might be. They might be. They might be the best defense in the National Football League. However, the Giants made a statement of their own. The Giants definitely did their damnedest to make the statement that A, Dallas is the best defense in the entire National Football League, and that we may have the worst offense in the entire football league, National Football League. Listen, the Jets will have a chance to make a similar statement tonight defensively. But if the Giants were looking to send a statement of their own, they may have. That they might be the worst offense in the National Football League. If that was the statement they were looking to send, message received. Hey, listen. I won the bet, and it's always nice to win the bet at the end of the weekend. You want to end on a good note, especially if you don't have a good weekend. My weekend was aight. James Kelly had a really good weekend. Mine was aight. I won the bet as I rolled with Dallas, but it certainly wasn't a big enough win to make me feel good about those three-plus hours of my life that I lost and I will never get back. And if that's the way I feel, Giants fan, how the hell do you feel right about now? And if your head coach is saying that was a balls-out effort by our team, balls then how are you feeling right about now? You lost 40 to nothing. How can you feel any other way other than like crap right now? Well, I can tell you how. Imagine how much worse you're going to feel if your hated cross-town rival puts on a show tonight. What if the Jets do that? 
Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody is missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game this September. So get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook down Download the app right now. Use the code Rome R O M E to sign up. New customers can bet just five bucks and take home two hundred instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code R O M E Rome. The crown is yours. You do have to be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler or visit www one eight hundred Gambler net. In New York, call eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. In Connecticut, help is available for problem. Gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age, varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. cdkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions to apply. Because y'all just took the ultimate dump in your pants last night with the entire nation watching. Balls out effort. I'm telling you. Elsewhere, the only player who I think can empathize and sympathize with Daniel Jones was Geno Smith. Terrible loss to the Rams at home. Who saw that coming? Not me. I'll own that. I bet the Hawks. Not only did I bet the Hawks, freaking Seattle always does me. Seattle baseball, Seattle football, Seattle anything, really. I didn't see that coming. Not only did I not see that coming, I bet the Hawks, and that was one of the few games I felt pretty good about. Honestly, I'm sure Gino felt the same way until he saw this locomotive screaming down the tracks at him, headed directly at his head. Listen to Gino Smith as he eyed this locomotive coming right for his head. On third down, Smith, pressure comes late and it's incomplete. That pressure coming from Aaron Donald. I want you to listen to that once again. That is not in any way doctored or edited. That is actual raw tape of Geno Smith seeing Aaron Donald bearing down on him and saying out loud, Oh my God. On third down, Smith, pressure comes late and it's incomplete. That pressure coming. That's incredible sound. That's Geno Smith audibly yelling, Oh my God. As he sees Aaron Donald coming at his face like an 18-wheeler with no brakes. Pressure comes late. Imagine Gino. Gino's like, all right, Gino, back to pass. Going, thanks, Alvy. I like that. Nice touch. Gino, back to pass. Going through his progressions like, okay, lockets covered. Protection not too bad. DK about to cut inside. Why the hell is there a freight train on the field? And why is it headed right in my direction? Oh, my God. Pressure comes late. I mean, never mind the on-field mics. Gino was so loud. Fox picked that up from the announcer's mic. Hell, never mind that. I heard Gino from outside my window here in Cali. And that game was in Seattle. That is an amazing sound drop. I'm guessing that's how Daniel Jones was feeling all game long, looking at Dallas' D lineman up in his grill. After every snap, Dimes was like, oh my God. Here comes Parsons. Here comes Armstrong. Blocked kick. TD. Pick six by Bland. 40-point beat down. Final score, 40 nothing. Oh, my God is right. Gino, <laughs> that is so great. Right in the middle of the play. Here comes 99, who we'd all but forgotten about. Oh, my God. On third down. Pressure comes late. Okay, that's what I thought watching that game. That was one of the only ones I felt good about. And the Rams rise up. And all I could think is, oh, my God. Gino just went up in my book. My respect for Gino just went up. Oh, my God. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. 
Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? The host of the Ross Tucker podcast. Ross, my dude, what's going on? How you feeling? Jim, I'm feeling great, man. How are you? I am awesome. I am awesome. It's good to see you at it already on this Monday morning. Now, this is our first conversation since the recent announcement that you are joining CBS as a game analyst. You've got one under your belt. Congratulations. How did it feel? How did it go for you? Oh, it was awesome, man. It, w- it was an absolute blast. It was a dream come true. Every aspect of it. Absolutely love the team I'm with. Chris Lewis, the play-by-play guy, I think a rising star in the business. And Jason McCourty, you know, it sounds self-serving, Jim, when I say this, but I really think CBS has something here in, in terms of having an offensive lineman and a defensive back. Or, you know, it could be a wide receiver and a D lineman. But having guys on different sides of the ball and one guy that played up front, one guy that played on the back end, because it was perfect. Like almost every play that happened in yesterday's game, there was a pretty good idea. Uh, Jason would go or I would talk and we each kind of could, uh, could handle our area of expertise. It was awesome. I mean, it's hard to believe it was my first time ever working with those guys. It didn't feel new or awkward or unique at all it was really very comfortable it was so much fun well I think that's a lot a lot of that's on you Ross you're kind of like that you do that for people in terms of the game itself what was your biggest takeaway from Derek Carr's Saints debut well probably just how much more comfortable he looked and how much better he played than Tannehill right I mean those guys are have had kind of similar careers I think going into yesterday Tannehill had 143 starts Cars had 142. You know, you never thought of the either guy as like a top five guy. There's some years where they're top 10, other years where they're top 15. But for Carr in a new system to play as well as he did against a, a really good defense in the Tennessee Titans, I mean, he clearly outplayed Tannehill significantly. And that was probably, Jim, the biggest difference in the game. So Saints already have to be feeling pretty good about the fact that their new quarterback performed that much better than a guy in Tannehill who's been with the Titans for a while now. Ross Tucker is joining us. Now, Ross, I am a big Derek Carr fan, but let's be real. He's not Taysom Hill. Now, you created a bit of a story <laughs> when you said that Taysom is one of the best football players ever. My guy. You are my guy. I want to know, is this one that you would like to have back? And, hold on, instead of referring to Hill as one of the best football players ever, would you like to state for the record, Ross, that Taysom Hill is, in fact, the single best football player ever? Now, I don't know if I'm going to go single greatest football player ever. It's funny, though, because I've seen on social media where people just cut, like, the first five seconds of it where I was starting the conversation I even said, Jim, right after that, I'm not talking about like Hall of Fame or All Pro or like that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the pure essence of playing football, right? Like what are all the things you can do as a football player? You can run, you can catch, you can throw, you can block, you can tackle. I don't know that we've seen a guy like Taysom Hill, not not in my lifetime. I mean – To think that there's an NFL guy at that level blows my mind away that can split out and play wide receiver. He plays tight end, plays fullback in blocks, plays running back. I think he's like seven and two as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And then, Jim, he returns kicks and then he runs down on the kickoff team and the punt team and makes tackles. And I said this on the on on the broadcast that to me, right? 
he's like the perfect football player. And I'm not talking about like Lawrence Taylor, you know, Tom Brady, Jerry Rice. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like pure football player, like all around football player, anything a football player could be asked to do. I think Taysom Hills is one of the best ever. I mean, to me, he's the closest thing in my lifetime to what evidently Jim Thorpe and those guys did back in the day. I get it. I see you working. I understand that completely. And you know I'm having fun with you, Ross, because I don't disagree with you. I understand the context. I knew exactly where you were going with that. Ross Tucker is joining us. What about last night, Ross? You know, you know Cal- what's funny, Jim? You know what's funny? Talk to me. And, and, I, and I know you know this, right? But, like, anybody that knows me, right, like, obviously I'm not saying he's, like, a top five, top ten, like, all, I didn't say he was, like, an all-time great. Like, I, I, I almost think, to, to me, it's, like, funny. Like, if you if you thought that that's what I meant, then you either don't know me or my background or you're, like, you're like a moron. Like, I, I think most people, if they heard the whole, the whole thing, uh, understood where I was coming from, like you. Come on, Ross. You know you were fitting him for a yellow jacket. <laughs> I said I said not Hall of Fame or any of that kind of stuff. You and know what? what? I should have just said one of the best pure football players, one of the best all-around football players. If I added one more word, it wouldn't have gone viral on social media. No, yes, it would have. Yes, it would have, Ross. You, you know this already. It, it didn't matter what you would have said or what you would have added. They would have gotten what they wanted from it, and they did, and they will again, right, to all of us. So you know exactly how that works. But I know exactly where you were going with that. I know exactly what you were talking about. It makes sense. Hey, let me just skip all of this altogether. I want to ask you something because I was fighting this losing battle even though I ended up winning. I was talking about the Colorado Buffs last week and how amazing it was to me that after only one game, Dion had somehow flipped this thing on its head. I don't know where you come out on this, but I don't care what anybody says. Well, I care what some people say. But the fact that they were 1-11 and they were the worst program arguably in the country and in under a year, Dion comes in and they beat TCU and then they come back home and they beat Nebraska and now they're 2-0 and they're top 25. I mean, the whole thing is pretty amazing to me. What's your take on it? It's absolutely incredible. Now, if I'm being honest, I didn't particularly care for that first meeting that Dion had with the players that were at Colorado, you know, to me, they're not professional athletes. You know, they're still 18, 19, 20. And to have the camera there and to say, basically, you guys all need to leave. Like, you're not going to be here. I'm bringing my own guys. Um, That didn't sit well with me. But I think we're at a really interesting stage in college sports, Jim. I mean, with the transfer portal – with NIL, they, they almost kind of are professional athletes now. And maybe Dion is just ahead of the curve, right? Like people are like, oh, he, you know, every team now has at least 10 guys go to the transfer portal or they bring in from the transfer portal. So is it Dion's fault that he had more than 50 guys and he brought in some studs like Travis Hunter and Shador Sanders? I mean, at some point it's like, Well, you can't act like, well, you shouldn't do that many guys. Well, then what's the right number? Is the right number 22? Like, how many guys should you bring in in the portal in a year? I think Dion, on some level, Jim, is revolutionizing what we're going to see from college football moving forward. I mean, just think about Now, I will say this, though. There's only one Dion Sanders, right? Like, I don't know if some of these other guys – get hired by a new school, if they're going to have that kind of power, that kind of juice to bring in all these new good players to their school. I, I think I think it takes a very unique, special person like Dion to get it done. Yeah, look, he's one of one. There's no doubt about that. You'll never find another guy like that. But I would argue that, and I'm not saying that this is the same situation, but Texas State went to the portal. They hit it hard. They beat Baylor in the first week, and they were four touchdown dogs. I think you're right. I think he is ahead of the curve, and I think he is revolutionizing it, and I think others will try to duplicate and emulate, but you can't duplicate, replicate, or emulate Dion because there's only one Dion. Ross Tucker is joining us. Ross, what about tonight? You got the Jets 
hosting the Bills. It does not get any better than that after all the hype surrounding Aaron Rodgers coming to New York. What are your expectations for him and the Jets tonight? Well, that environment, first of all, is just going to be electric. I mean, the Jets have the longest playoff drought of any team in the NFL. They are going to be going berserk tonight. I cannot wait to watch that game. And, you know, I got to be honest with you, Jim, at times I didn't think Aaron was overly likable when he was in Green Bay, but I kind of love the New York Jets, Aaron. Like, the fact that he goes there, and every night when you turn on the TV, he's like at the hockey game or the Knicks game or the U.S. Open or he's dancing at the Taylor Swift concert. Or I mean, this guy, or he's going to Broadway shows. Aaron Rodgers is living his best life. Like if I was, whatever he is, 39 and single and just became the quarterback of the Jets, I would be doing exactly what Aaron Rodgers is doing right now. I don't know how he did this. Uh, Jim, but somehow Aaron Rodgers leaving the Packers, like this homegrown team, the fans own the team, all that, and going to the big city has made him extremely likable for a lot of people. It's bizarre. You know, I think, Ross, my take on that is I think that the guy right now, at least right now, Aaron is happy. Aaron is happy. I think at the very end, he wasn't so happy. I think the Packers probably were not so happy. I think the fans probably were not so happy. That was like a breakup that had to happen. It was time to move on for both sides. Aaron moves on. He moves to a new situation. He's rejuvenated by the whole thing. He's renewed by the whole thing. I think the guy is legitimately happy. Now, they haven't played yet, but I can't wait to see what happens. Quickly, Ross, I got about 60. How are you going to play this game? If the number is plus two, how are you playing it? Jets plus two, or are you going the other way? No, I like the Jets to win the game. Mm. Uh, I, I like the Jets to win the game. I'm not sure the Buffalo Bills have improved all that much this offseason. I, I think they, they think they improved at offensive guard. You know, we'll see Dalton Kincaid, you know, the first-round pick tight end, who I think will be more their slot receiver, big slot. Uh, it's all about the Jets' offensive line, but that Jets' D-line is nasty. They're going to get after Josh Allen tonight. I think they're going to be able to play – extremely well. I like the Jets to win the game because that environment's going to be amazing. I think Aaron Rodgers comes out and plays awesome. Ross, I love that you got yourself the big assignment with CBS, and I love that Monday, right after that, man, you're doing what you always do. Grind out, show up, show out, do your thing. Appreciate you, Ross. Great job. Thank you very much, man. Good to talk to you as always. Of course, always, Jim. Thank you so much. U.S. Cellular knows how important your kid's relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. Shouting out to the Take Police. Hey, Take Police. Are two games enough games to get excited about? Are two wins enough wins to talk about? I'm asking for this dude. I'm asking for a friend. Well, not really a friend. That might be a stretch. I'm asking for this dude. A dude I know by the name of Dion. Because last week when I was talking about how amazing it was that this guy turned that program around, I got a bunch of haters coming up in here all week long. Just one game. Just one game. Just one game, Rome. Just one game. Come on, Rome. Stop sucking up. Just one game. All right. Take police. Can we talk about it after two games? You know, because the guy did show up to Colorado, just showed up to Colorado and pretty much made them the most interesting thing in all of college football and did so overnight. That dude. Is it cool for me, take police, to talk about him yet? After that beatdown they put on Nebraska. You know what, actually, take police? You don't have to answer that because I don't give a damn about your answer. You know why? The take police don't even exist. 
And even if they did, I still wouldn't give a damn what they thought. They don't exist. No, just whiny people hating on and tweeting and emailing and slinging lava at the program. And maybe they think that Dion and the Buffs aren't compelling. Maybe they think that Dion and the Buffs aren't intriguing. And I don't give a damn, honestly, because you're wrong. This bleep is about as compelling as anything that has happened in college football in years. Hard stop. And I'm not a guy that's been honking Dion for years and years and years and years and years. I kind of tend to agree with Ross. It was pretty harsh. And we talked about this. Even last week when I was giving him all this hype and all this credit, I did say it was pretty harsh the way he arrived and said, hey, if you're here, you might want to go check that portal right now. Because there's a reason why y'all were 1-11 and and I'm bringing my own bags and they're Louie. Pretty harsh. I agree. Pretty harsh. But then again, you would say, to Ross's point, it's not harsh if we're dealing with professionals, and with NIL, aren't we now dealing with professionals? Either way, it's hard to argue against that scene in Boulder on Saturday. That was insane. And the scary part about that was Colorado did not play their best ball. It took them a minute to get going. They had some sloppy mistakes, they had some bad penalties, they had some rough drops, and yet despite all that, they still kicked Cornhusker ass. 393 more yards passing for Shador Sanders. That gets him up to 903 yards and no picks in two games. That any good, haters. Another 126 total snaps from two-way star Travis Hunter. That impressive at all. You don't have to answer any of that because you know what? I really don't care if you're impressed. And I know they don't care if you're impressed or not impressed. All I know is, I can only speak for me, I'm impressed. Incredibly impressed. I don't understand how anybody is not impressed. You don't have to like the guy. I'm not even saying that. But how are you not impressed with a program that was 1-11 and a year ago that everybody said was even worse than their record? And now they're 2-0. and They're ranked number 18 in the AP poll right now. And as crazy as that scene was on Saturday, it's going to get even crazier this week when both ESPN and Fox show up to do their pregame shows in Boulder. The first time College Game Day will be in Boulder since 96 Probably because the program is so boring and nobody thinks that team is interesting, right? But look at Fox. They're not even broadcasting the game and they're showing up. What does that tell you? I wonder if they're not even breaking down. They're probably still on their set right now. What do you think? They're going to show up there or stay there and tell all Boulder, hey, man, it's only two games. Just calm the hell down. They're not even doing the game and they're doing their pregame show from there. They just want to be there and be a part of it. Yeah, but it's not interesting. It's not compelling. It's not intriguing. And there's no energy. Calm down, Rome. Calm down, Rome. It's only two games. Yeah, all I'm doing is just spitting takes. Man, they're spending a lot of money and time and energy in setting up shop and posting up there for a game they're not even broadcasting. Maybe the best part of this team is how quickly they bought. The team, I mean how they bought into Boulder and Colorado in the program. It's not like a lot of people made it out to be, like they're a bunch of paid mercenaries or a bunch of one and dunners or anything like that. It's actually the opposite. Like these dudes are all about Colorado. Check out what got Shador so mad before the kickoff. Check this. It was extremely personal. We go out there, warm up. You got the head coach for the other team trying to stand in the middle of the buff. Like it's okay if- it like some couple players do it, it's fine, you know. Like, to just enjoy the scenery. But when you got the whole team trying to disrespect it, then I'm not, you know, I'm not going for that at all. So I went in there and disrupted it. So they knew off rip. Like, nah, this the Buffaloes mean mean a lot to me. And personally, that's why I say in pregame, and that's when I knew it was just extreme disrespect. And that's why it was the coach. The coach 
said a lot of things about my pops, about the program, but now that he want to act nice, I don't, res- I, don't, I don't respect that because you hating on another man, you shouldn't do that. So it was just all respect was gone for them in their program. Now, I like playing against their D.C. I like playing against them, but respect level, it ain't, it ain't there because you disrespected us first. How do you not respect Shador talking about the disrespect? He disrespected Pops. He disrespected the buff. I don't like that. The field. Remember how these guys were saying before the game, Dion said it and Shador said it and said, it's personal, it's personal. And I was kind of skeptical. Like, how do you know it's personal? Like, I know you're told it's personal, but you didn't live it. Like, you didn't come up in it. You didn't grow up in it. You just got here. How, how do you know it's personal when you just got here? Well, they found out pretty quickly, right? And to hear Shador say it, I don't think, you know, like great athletes will always manufacture and contrive certain slights, perceived or real, so they can run on that kind of fuel. Like, I tend to believe the guy. He took that personally. He didn't like the way they showed up on the field, disrespected the buff. He had heard the way Matt Rule had, quote, disrespected pops. And whatever Matt Rule said, Matt Rule may have said something about the portal, but you know what? A hell of a lot of coaches said something about Dion and the portal and how they used it. Some on the record and a whole hell of a lot more off the record. And the fact of the matter is, yes, it's only two games. Yeah, I saw a note this morning where there's a ton of money going on them winning the national championship. Let's not get crazy. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I said it last week. Yes, it's only one game, but it's an amazing game, an amazing turnaround, and you have to give them credit for that. Now it's two games. Now they put a beat down on a rival. Now they've got some really tough games ahead. But when they said, hey, we don't like Nebraska, then they showed up and they showed us exactly how much they don't like Nebraska. Now, speaking of Nebraska, let's talk about this for a minute, Husker fan. And again, you were nowhere to be found after Minnesota got you in week one. I'm looking for you right now, Husker fan, because this is another tough look and another tough result for Matt Rule, who I still like, and I still think that's a great hire. However, it's a tough look. But remember this about Matt Rule. He never promised you a miracle in year one. Dion kind of did. Matt Rule never did. He's a program rebuilder, and he's done it before. And I think that he can still do it again, but he's going to need a little bit of time. The problem with him saying, I need a little bit of time, is you look at the Husker fans, and they're looking across the field at the other sideline, and what are they saying? Why do we need time? Why can't we have what the Buffs have? I mean, whatever issues we have, we never bottomed out like Colorado did. And now look at them. They just punched us in the face. They're 2-0, coming off 1-11, and they're ranked in the top 25. So why do we need time? This is a guy who came from Jackson State. We got Matt Rule making double or more. Why do, from the NFL, no less. Why do we need time when Coach Prime is doing it right now? And it's a fair and tough question for Matt Rule. Especially since he is on a contract worth, I don't know, like 45 mil more than Dion's? Essentially, the Huskers look like they still need the complete teardown and rebuild that Dion just pulled off in one offseason. But don't take it from me. Don't take it from me. Take it from this one wild Husker fan that Barstool Sports tracked down after the game. Go Big Red, baby. We're going to have a losing record for sure, but we don't lose hope here. Yeah, I'm f***ing mean. I won't let this slide. We need to f***ing be better. We need a better quarterback. We need a better D-line. We need a better O-line. We need a better everything. So if you think you're f***ing better, step up to the plate. Wow. Thank you, Albie. War Lady Husker fan. She is pissed. How many F-bombs and four-letter words did she drop in that meltdown? It brings me no pleasure to say this, Husker fan. I'll be re-rack that. You know she's not wrong. And you know she's right. 
Listen to what she just said and try and dispute any part of this. Go Big Red, baby. We're going to have a losing record for sure, but we don't lose hope here. Yeah, I'm f***ing mean. I won't let this slide. We need to f***ing be better. We need a better quarterback. We need a better D-line. We need a better O-line. We need a better everything. So if you think you're f***ing better, step up to the plate. She said, we don't lose hope here, but, and it's true in a sense, right? Consider what they've been through over the years, and they're still there. They're still there. They don't, they don't lose hope, but how can you see what Dion did in one offseason and what he just did to you, and then you have the coach you have and not think, why don't we have that? And she is right about what she said, especially about the quarterback. I mean, I don't think it's a lot to ask, but you definitely need a quarterback that can consistently catch a shotgun snap and execute a handoff. That's not asking a lot. You want to know how massive Colorado football is right now? Texas is back, and that's not even my lead story in the college football whip around right now. And I'm not leading with Colorado so I can say to you, told you so, although I did tell you so. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because Colorado football is bigger. You hear what I just said? Texas is back. Texas is back. They are. I'm not being facetious. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm serious. They're back. You know what being back looks like? And notice, I led with Colorado over them. But I'll tell you what being back looks like. And I'll tell you why they are back. And why they don't need to win a natty to be back. It looks like going into Tuscaloosa and beating the hell out of the tide. So yes, Texas is back. And yes, Texas being back is somehow less of a story than Colorado right now. Which says more about Dion and Colorado than it does about the Longhorns because it's not like Texas isn't incredibly exciting because they are. They are. And they are back. They might even be playoff good. They might be. But just to be clear, you don't need to be playoff good to be, quote, back. As an example, would anybody dispute that USC is back? Of course not. It's almost as dumb a question at this point. Of course they're back. They have a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback who might go back-to-back. They're the number five team in the country. If they can play any defense at all, they should make the playoff. So you don't have to win it all or even make the playoff to be, quote, back. You just have to actually be back. In other words, good enough to roll into a place like Tuscaloosa and shove a fatal dose of rat poison down the dictator's throat just like Texas did on Saturday. Remember when Nick Saban decided that his depth chart was rat poison and refused to put one out before the season started? Well, I guess now we know why. We found out Saturday. He was right. His depth chart is rat poison. He also said after that game that this was a test to find out where his team stands. He was right about that too. We found out, we know where they stand. We found out. We found out that they're not a legitimate contender. You know, for us, uh, I told the players uh, early in the week last week that this was going to be a test, that we were going to play a really good team, and we would actually find out where we were as a team. And um, this was a test for everybody. It was a test for the coaches. It was a test for me. It was a test for all the players. And we obviously didn't do very well, but it's the midterm. It's not the final. A little early for a midterm, isn't it? Doesn't matter what you call the test, though. That was a flunking grade. And we're not exactly used to seeing Fs out of old red asses, crimson tide, are we? But maybe we should start getting used to them because it feels like they're sliding. It feels like, obviously, they're not what they were. But can they get back to where they were? I don't know. I really don't know. But it feels to me like Texas is back. As far as Alabama's slide, at least Red Ass isn't having as tough a go of it as Thin Skin because Jimbo Fisher's Aggies got curb stomped by Miami on Saturday. That knocks Texas A&M out of both poles in what is supposed to be Jimbo's do-or-die season. How do I know it's Jimbo's do-or-die season? He brought in pavement face to save the season. That's how I know. And even bringing in Bobby Petrino 
in desperation is not helping. Huge, huge win for Mario Cristobal and the Canes. They needed some momentum, and they just got it. But as big a win as that was for them, that was a way more devastating loss for Thin Skin. In fact, I'm going to say that loss is a straight-up disaster for Thin Skin. It is despicable. And even he didn't have the worst weekend of all. The worst weekend of all probably was experienced by Mel Tucker, which I'll get to on the other side or a little bit later on. Like, I can't even believe that story. We'll see how it shakes out. And he's denied allegations. But it, if what has been reported and alleged is true, that is unbelievable, like unfathomable. So there are some people that had a really good weekend. There are some people that had a really bad weekend. And then if this stuff is true, there's Mel Talker. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Jake Dicker. Jake, it is great to have you on the show. How you doing today? Jim, it's a pleasure to be in the jungle. I know my old man is one of your clones, so it's uh, it's an honor to be on. Coach, feels great to hear that. I really appreciate that, and you give my best to Pops. I think that's awesome. You beat a good and proud Wisconsin team. You called it a moment. Can you describe what that moment felt like and what it represents to the program and the players who achieved it? I think you saw a lot of raw emotion. You know, I think it came out in passion, especially with myself after the game. You know, I'm a, I'm a voice for Cougs everywhere, and and I'm fighting for Washington State, and I'm I'm fighting for our players. And I thought they really focused on the moment and seized it, and knew what the opportunity. We've quietly built a really strong team here, Jim, and you know we we know who we can be and what we want to become. And I think it was just another step in our journey. And the passion for Pullman and Washington State and the people. Uh, it was everything on Saturday night, and that's why you saw the the fans, you know, rushing the field and, and the energy that they provided. You know, Jake, my response to that is you say, quietly, we've built something really nice here. I think, obviously, people who know, know. People who know, know what you have built there and how tough you guys are. It's pretty clear, Jake, how much you love this program. I mean, very clear. Let me ask you this. Why do you love it so much, and why does this program mean so much to you? a special question because I think when people in your life, Jim, they have faith, trust, and belief in you. They didn't have to give me this head coaching job uh, after I was the interim head coach. And this administration and our president and this university and fan base, they completely 100% got behind me and the change and where we were going and how we wanted to do it. And I want to reward those people tenfold. You know, that's why I'm fighting for them so much to keep Washington State in the fabric of college football. When you think of college football, Jim, you think of places just like us, uh, a Pullman, Washington, an Ames, Iowa, Manhattan, Kansas, Clemson, South Carolina. Like we're the fabric of what it means to be college, small town, big college, huge passion, national fan base. You know, that is why I love this place, because it's given me so much. And I'm 10 toes down every day trying to reward the people that believe in me. Preach, Jake. Jake Dicker joining us. I thought you had a great line after the win, Jake, when you said, quote, we're all we've got, we're all we need. End of quote. I think it's self-evident, but can you elaborate on that? What did you mean when you said that? Well, we have a saying around here that's been around for generations, and it's Cougs versus everybody. And we've taken that on not only as an athletic department, it really fits the moment that we're in, but as a program. And then we surrounded that in the football realm with we're all we got, we all we need. There's not a single player that's going to come through the door that's going to surprise us on game day. It's it's finding the solutions and taking ownership and eliminating excuses to performance. All right, there's no outside solutions. It's our attitude, our effort, the way we play, uh, the attitude in which we execute, and just know that we have enough talent to win big football games. And if we double down on the moment, and we say, hey, we can beat anybody if we don't beat ourselves. That's how you get results. So 
It's just understanding that there's so many excuses now in life. Let's eliminate that. Let's look within and let's surround each other with a ton of connection, and that's how you're going to win big games. Jake Dicker joining us. You did win another big game. In fact, you got them last year. You got them again this past weekend. And I'm not sure you'll go there, Jake, but I'm going to ask a question anyway. How good did it feel to take it to a team from the Big Ten, the conference that pretty much started the breakup of the Pac-12? Well, I think it's it's just another faceless opponent, Jim, and I will say that. I think it's more about our reaction to our players and being in that moment and understand the biggest part was we didn't feel like we were an underdog. We expected to win that game. We showed the year before we could do it. Now it was going to be on our turf, and that's the way we really approached it. And I thought that was the moment what you saw uh, with our players after the game. There was a confidence that we had that we could do it. It was nothing about who did what. It was about our guys knowing this is a nationally, traditionally ranked opponent coming here, and we can show who we are on a national stage. You know, Jake, the thing about that is you built that 24-6 lead, but you knew that the Badgers would make their run, and they did. How proud of you are you of your guys that when they made that run, your guys did not blink and they didn't flinch? Uh, we focused so much on finishing games. It's been kind of our Achilles heel the last couple of years, and to see it really in action. And I, when it was 24-22 and we lost that third quarter in a bad way and things maybe could have looked like it was going downhill – I was just running up and down the bench saying, we built a lead. We were still up by two points. Let's go attack. Let's finish. And our guys never flinched. They never stopped believing. They know what we could do if we could get back on track. We went out there and made a big takeaway and play, and offense went down there and scored, and then defense shut the door. And that's what good teams do. They find a way when it's not always perfect uh, to get the win. So, of course, Jake, Washington State's got that proud tradition of outstanding quarterbacks. Let me ask you about Cam Ward. Is he in that same category as the greats that came before him? And what does he mean to your program both on and off the field? I think Cam's probably one of the biggest quarterbacks in the country nobody's talking about. And I can't really quite understand it. Uh, he's done a good job of you know, looking within himself and the techniques and the fundamentals of what he needs to do to get better. He has great escapability. He's amazing off script. And I think Cam, uh, when we give him another 12 games in our system, by this time, uh, you know, they're going to be talking a lot about him in the NFL and what he can do. I'm just proud of him. He's a leader on our team, and he goes out there, plays a certain way, and we put the ball in his hands, and he went out and got it done. So, Jake, the fact is people are talking about the Pac-12 a lot, but for different reasons. Look at it. This week, you've got eight teams in the top 25 and that's only happened once before. Only one other conference, I should say, has ever done that before. Putting the realignment talk aside for just one moment, does West Coast football deserve more national recognition for something other than conference realignment? Well, I think it, it doesn't surprise any of us. I think we knew coming into this season the Pac-12 was going to be one of the best conferences in the country, bar none. And I think through the first two weeks, that's proven out. And you know, now it's going to be an amazing every week that you show up, you got to make sure you're at your best to, to go win it. And it's going to be hard to get unscathed through this conference schedule. So each week you got to make sure you're on top of your game. And, and nationally, they probably see us maybe a little bit different. Uh, but that's the unfortunate part of all the realignment is that, man, we're just peaking uh, as a West Coast football talking to Jake Dickert for a few more moments. Washington State coming off that big win over Wisconsin. You know, I know you're focused entirely on northern Colorado right now. You're not focused on matters which are out of your control. That's very clear talking to you. I can tell that. What would you personally like to see happen with the program and the conference? Well, I think it's hard. You know, I think the biggest thing, Jim, is, is right now we're focused on what we can do and where we can go. But I think the biggest question we have is what's the metric? That's what I would love to ask ESPN and Fox and, you know, what's the metric of all this realignment? If you talk about wins, Washington State has the fourth most wins in our league in the last five years, not counting COVID. Is it brand? Uh, we have a national brand. We have what would be one of the top viewership models in all of the new, newly created Big 12. You know, so what is that metric that's driving? Is it revenue? Well, okay, we are the lowest revenue generating power five. Okay, is it NIL and collective and money? You know, what? what is it? Because I know we've been a, a small fish in a big pond, but at the end of the day, we're competing our tails off, and we've been to seven straight bowl games. That's been consistency. And we're just, you know, fighting to say this is who we are, this is who we can be, 
and Washington State has always been a forefront of major college football, and that's where we want to be. So I don't know wherever the future goes. I can't control it, but I know we have an opportunity to, to you know, stake our flag down again and go out there and attack whatever situation that is provided, yeah, and we will do that. Boobs have always done that. I'm sorry to jump in, Jake. I was going to say, you make a really persuasive argument. I'm curious. Have you asked that question of the powers that be? Because what is it about? We know what it's about. It's about TV and money, TV and money. And your point is, yeah, okay, it's about TV and money, but this is what we have to bring to the table. Have you asked that question? What is the metric to any of these TV people or any of these executives or any of these conference leaders? What's the response you get? Well, I don't get to ask those questions, unfortunately. You know, I know our people and I trust in our administration. They've been in those rooms. They've had those conversations. You know, but it it doesn't seem merit based to me and to us. And that's what we're fighting for. We're fighting every day uh, to be merit based of where we can be. And I, I think that's important because the travel thing is real. And Wisconsin felt that the other day. We had a 5 p.m. game finished at 830 because all the commercials. They flew out of our town because I can hear a 757 at 1130. They got home at five o'clock in the morning. You know, that it's just different. And where, where are we doing? Where are we going? And this isn't the last time football is going to realign these conferences. Oh, that's a given. This is not the last time this is going to happen. I love the point you just made that, look, we just want to do it on merit. We just want to do it on merit. Jake, let me finally ask you this. I, I don't think that you actually spent any time ever with Mike Leach, but given what he meant to that program, the community, did you feel, and not to get all weird about it, but did you feel the pirate at all on Saturday night? Oh, it was so fitting. And I, I don't know, it just fit the uh, the moment, the coog head above the pirate flag that we were wearing. It was just it was the moment, and to win it a tough, grimy, gritty game, Washington State wouldn't be where we are today in seven straight bowl games without Coach Leach and his life and legacy that he left us here at Washington State. You couldn't help but feel that as the pirate flag was waving that he had a little touch in that game. I'll tell you what, here's the bottom line. Like I always say, Jake, I don't root for anything or anybody other than something to talk about. You know, we had a son who just graduated from Wisconsin. I own real estate in Wisconsin. I have a lot of friends in Wisconsin. Clearly, I was watching that game. Everybody I know who's a Badger fan knew this was a dangerous game. So no sooner than I saw what you did, like, I'm objective now. I'm objective, but I've got a lot of friends who are Badger Mafia However, I had to have you on. It was really impressive what you guys did, and I think you deserve this platform. I think you earned this platform, and for what, Jake, on merit, on merit. So great to have you on. Congrats on a big win. I know you're not done, and you made it better today. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate it. Uh, go Cougs. Incredible Monday night matchup. So I had to bring the big head, James Kelly, back in to help break it down, and give you all both of our picks for this one but first things first as always head how you living and officially how did you do this past weekend with your first on-air picks of the nfl season i finally stopped uh got blasted in the package it's finally stopped happening to me which is wonderful i think we went five i was gonna say one, but did Jim. you miss it did you miss it when, once it stopped happening like at first you want to stop finally. but if it happens enough then you miss it right yeah you miss it a little bit you know stuff like that but yep. it felt good five and one overall four nfl games we covered and the buffaloes of colorado won as well only the commanders playing scared against the cardinals cost <laughs> us a perfect weekend <laughs> So you went 5-1 and one when you count Colorado and had the commanders not been scared cowards Dude, that's it. against Arizona. You would have had a perfect weekend. Perfect weekend we would have scared had. Scared cowards! Yeah, that's got to feel good. All right, so one more order of business. As I mentioned earlier, a number of you are Xing us and emailing and asking what happened to the Big Head Bets podcast. Jim Rome's Big Head Bets podcast, which aired every Friday last week. It's a fair question because I have to admit, it was a great product. Yes, it was it insightful. Was. It was funny. It was a tremendous listen. I get it. You and I both love doing it. For now, instead of a full pod or show, I'm breaking it up and distributing it in segments during the week on this show. Now, that can change. It could return as a show or a pod and live someplace else 
But as of right now, this is how we're doing it. So if you want the heads picks, if you want both of our picks, keep listening right here to the daily and you will get them. All right. That's right. There you go. With that, that's right. I see what you did there, Head. <laughs> I see what you did there. That's, that's right. Elliot. That's right. Stu Elliott. That's right. All right. So we've got a mother of a Monday night matchup. Mm-hmm. It simply does not get any better than this. Bills at Jets. The Bills are the very epitome to me of a team, Head, that's on the clock. Tonight, we get a first chance though, to see the new look Jets on the field in prime time against a legit contender, no less. And yes, you and I have been jocking the Jets hard all offseason. It is go time. Let's see what they got. Let's get it on. What is the number, Head? How do you see this one? How are you playing this epic matchup? Funniest thing just popped in my head when you were talking. Remember last September when the Bills played on Monday Night Football and that dude blew ass in the ESPN booth? Yes, I do remember that, Head. The big... And you know what? I'm going to question whether or not that just popped into your head. In I fact, I'm going to call bullcrap on that. That did not just pop into your head. Yeah, Orvalewski. I wonder if he'll be back in the booth again tonight or not. Who? Orvalowski, Orvalewski, whatever his name is. Wow, dude. <laughs> Could you have butchered that any worse than you just did? Uh, and I know that that did not just pop into your head, man. Stop lying to me. Right out the Stop back lying to me, dude. Zone. That did not That's just right. pop into your head. It just didn't. Anyways, here. Spread is Bill. Why don't minus- you get off Orvalewski's ass, dude? <laughs> that, that was that was gratuitous. I know. I just wanted to get after him a little bit. Fun Obviously. Here. Obviously, yes. but if you're going to do that, at least get the guy's name right. Why don't you keep Orvalewski's mouth, name out your mouth? <laughs> All right. Spread is Bill's <laughs> minus two at New York. I'm going with the Jets, actually, and taking the points here. Ooh. The Jets played these guys tough last year. They beat them once with the Coog Hunter as their quarterback and only lost to them by eight points in their second game. And against this Jets defense, you need to run the football. That's not Buffalo's strength. Yes, they had the third best yardage per attempt in the NFL a year ago, but that's a lot of Josh Allen improvising right there. They want to throw the football, and that's not what they do. Josh Allen, Jim. That guy right there, yes. They want to throw the football with that guy. (laughs) Why are you repeating yourself, dude? I heard you the first time. Josh Allen, Jim. That guy right there, Josh Allen. You're confusing me, dude. Why Why are you talking over yourself? Josh Allen. Stop hitting yourself, dude. Josh Allen. Stop hitting yourself. Why do you Josh keep saying Josh Allen? Allen? Funny fact Josh on Josh Allen. Why do you keep Allen? saying Arvaluski? Arvaluski. Josh give me, Allen. Give me a funny fact on or a funny, a funny fact on Josh Allen. He has eight touchdowns through seven interceptions in his career against the Jets, and mm. most of the Jets teams he played um, have been butthole. You know the eyes and bowls led teams. So that's a funny fact right there. The question oh, is: oh, This oh, Jets oh, oh, offense. There will be problems. Their line is their weakness. Outside speed rushers could give them nightmares, and Buffalo has a few. But no Von Miller tonight, so that helps the Jets. ATS, interesting stuff here. Receipts is 14-20 and 20 ATS for his career and 5-8 and eight as a home underdog. But this is Aaron's best role. He's 6-1 and one as a home dog in his career. But this is also Josh Allen's. Alvin? Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Yes, Josh his Allen. best role, <laughs> ATS as a road Josh favorite, Allen. Jim. He's Dude, wh- why would you try to produce Josh this Allen. segment when you can barely Allen. get through Josh the segment Allen. by yourself? Josh Allen. Fair. All fair. Got another Allen. good one here, too. Give me another good one, dude. Sean McDermott has yep. uh, taken over since 2017. Only the B- Bengals have covered the spread at a better rate than Sean has. But apologies to Rick and Buffalo, Blind Terrio and Buffalo, and the Bills Mafia. I'm bagging the deuce and rolling with the Jets here. Jets plus two. Bag uh, the deuce. Bag two. that deuce. Bag that deuce. I'll tell you what. I'm going to ride with S- you. Jets, Jets, Jets. Jets is not hard to spell, dude. <laughs> it is for you. Uh, I'm going to ride with the Jets as well. I'm not yes. one of those people saying that the Bag sky is deuce. falling for the Bills or that the window is already slammed shut. I am still high on Buffalo. There's still a ton to like about Buffalo, but I'm going to say the same thing about the Jets. Uh, yeah, we need to see it. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Jets is not hard to spell. It's not hard to spell, dude. Stop doing that, please. That's Allen. That's not me. (laughs) That's not Allen, all right? It's Alvin, and that's not Allen. And, dude, how do you know what it is? You're like 2,000 miles away. (laughs) Unlike the Giants, there is no way the Jets crap the bed in prime time like the G-Men just did. I love everything about the Jets. I'm with you, except maybe their offensive line. That's obviously still a question mark. Mm -hmm. I'm just not sure that the Bills are going to be able to exploit that weakness if it is a weakness. Moreover, if you're telling me I can get all together now 
J-E-T-S. Do that, Head. J-E-T-S. J-E-T-S. Jets. Screwed it up again, man. <laughs> if you can get them plus two at home with Aaron Rodgers making that New York debut and that Jets dominant defense, because it is a dominant defense, I'm going to ride with the J-E-T-S. You and I are both on them. Damn. Let's take those points, dude. Yes. Bag the deuce. Bag the deuce. Bag the deuce. Bag the deuce. All right. Let me ask you something on the way out the door. Okay. We didn't talk about this as part of your Big Head Bet segment on Friday. Israel Adesanya, one of the reasons we didn't talk about Mm -hmm. him, why talk about a guy who's minus 700? I know. Except he got beat. I'm Mm -hmm. the one who always says it. The thing I like best about UFC and that promotion is everybody loses except Habib. I, mm-hmm. This guy's lost. I did not expect him to lose at minus 700. The hell happened to him, and where does that leave him? Amazing. The fight was made because the top contender wasn't ready for Izzy, too. So Sean uh, Strickland was allowed to fight him. He was ranked fifth in the middleweight division and the win, Jim. And I, it has to rank near the top of uh, upsets in the history of the UFC. You have GSP v. Sarah back in the day, but Sarah got caught and got finished. You had Holly Holm. And Ronda, obviously, but Ronda didn't use her strength. What's so weird here, Strickland beat Izzy at his strength. Izzy is the, one of the greatest stand-up fighters in MMA history, and Sean beat him there. Four of the five rounds, he beat him standing up. It, it, it's incredible. Um, it's got to be the top UFC upset ever on the top two or three right there. And as far as where it lives, uh, leaves Izzy, I don't know. He's lost three times in the last couple of years, but one, remember, was out of his weight division and up the other one was Alex icing him so he handles adversity very very good but this is concerning very very well dude very very well you don't you don't handle grammar very very good no I don't don't. not on the regular show I I want to read something that's directed to you so you can respond before we end the segment okay hey James Burpfart Kelly Dan Orvaluski say my name right you moron Signed, Dan Orfartsky. V in the fee. Now, the big... Dude, incredible sound right there. He, he no, the it's not. Wings too. No, it's not. It yeah. would be if you're in fifth grade. <laughs> Instead of in your, quote, fifth decade. I can't imagine uh, Troy and Joe doing that tonight, but it was good. Yeah. Good, good for you. Yeah. Good for you. All right, so you and I both have the Jets. I got a prop out the door if you want it. Yeah, I'd love it. First touchdown, Garrett Wilson. Uh, plus 850, and maybe Dalton Kincaid if you want to go plus 1500 here. Buffalo allowed fourth most touchdowns to wide out a year ago and allowed zero touchdowns to tight end. So let's play Garrett Wilson and play the odds for the first touchdown there. And Kincaid at plus 1200. The Jets allowed the third fewest uh, wide out touchdowns last season and fourth most receptions to tight end. So let's take a shot there on those two. You know I love that Jets secondary. You know oh, I love dude. that Jets secondary. There's some great. tonight. Oh, buddy. Say it again. Sauce v. Diggs tonight. It's going to be interesting. How good is that? Sauce v. Diggs. How good is that? I know. It's going to be great. Hopefully Sauce doesn't get beat deep. He kind of got beat deep a couple times in hard knocks. but It happens, dude. They all get beat. They all get beat. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Diggs, he's pretty good. He's a really good football player. Ask him. Ask him. He's him. He's him. I don't he's know a, why he's not getting along with Josh Allen better, but it is what it is. We, we don't Josh know that he's Allen, not. Maybe they Josh are. Maybe they aren't. We'll find Josh out. Allen, we will Allen, find Allen, out Josh tonight. Allen. I can't wait. All right, Head, you're on one. You bounce back. You and I both got bloodied badly the week before in college football, but you bounce back like the legend that you are. Let's get it, Head. Hell nice yes. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. That's James Kelly. All right, so again, I, I know why you want 30 minutes of that because – 30 minutes of that weekly in the pod where he can really go full-on big head, Kelly. It's fun. But you know what? It's fun right here, too. I'm looking for the right place for that pod or that show. I'm exploring other things. Until I find the right home for it, this is the right home for it. You feel me? Good night, night.